First Timothy, if you have a Bible, a Bible app, go to First Timothy chapter 6. First Timothy chapter 6 started a new series last week called Fight Training. We must learn to fight. First Timothy chapter 6, notice with me in verse 12. It reads, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I mean, no, that's, not a, that's not a verse for the weak and the timid. This is a verse for someone who's serious about what they believe, what they know God has given them, and they say, I'm not just going to be denied. I'm not going to let someone steal it from me. I'm not going to let it be held back. I'm going to contend for what God has made available to me. And this is called the fight of faith. Now think about it. If we're told to fight, then if we don't, I think it's pretty logical that we're going to lose. If we're told to fight, then we must fight this faith fight. If we choose not to or just don't do it because we're ignorant of it, we're going to lose something of great Value. If that weren't the case, again, this verse wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be told to fight the good fight of faith if our lives are going to be the same whether we fight it or not. Amen. So it plays a really big role in our actual experience. I think it's interesting sometimes people are tempted to disconnect their experience from what they actually do. Especially when it comes to, uh, you know, church, prayer, uh, relationship with God, so forth. They say, My, I've been struggling. I'm, I'm under attack. I've got this, tr this trial and tribulation in this area of my life, and I just don't get it. I just don't understand why nothing's working. I just don't understand why I, I don't have this and somebody else does. You know, there are so many of those situations where I want to, I would really like to get people to pause and say, uh, Really? Is that really true? You don't understand? Or do you really know why it's not working? And we're just playing, we're just playing games, we're not being honest with ourselves. And, and if we would be, we would say, actually, yeah, yeah, that's not true. I know why this is not working. <laughs> because we've got to uh, embrace the reality of, of spiritual practices that are intended, designed, created to produce tangible, real-life experience in, in, in each of us. Okay? I, I don't want to approach... Um, things that I know to be valuable, but then pretend whether I do them or don't do them has zero impact on my life. For example, things like prayer. I mean, no, the, 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 the Bible has a lot to say about prayer. Okay, so you got one person who prays, one person who doesn't pray. One who, or, or let's just say, maybe it's not, you know, 100% either way. One person's got a, just a great prayer life. Another person has a pathetic prayer life. Will their participation or lack thereof in that particular practice have a real tangible impact on their lives? Their relationships, their finances, their health, their, their emotional well-being, their fruitfulness. Their, whatever, does it really make a difference? Okay, I think at least theoretically, if you've read the Bible, you would say, well, yeah, it has to. Well, then why does the person with no prayer life say, I just don't get it. I just don't know why it's so hard. Well, yeah, you do. Hallelujah. 
I'm saying you could take other, other principles, Bible subjects, and really say the same thing. Like, I think about godly associations. Okay, we're told, we're given the, the wisdom to know that if you walk with the wise, you'll grow wise. The companion of fools will be, be destroyed. Well, sometimes people want to ignore that. And they say, well, my associations, you know, that is, was, I know what the Bible says, but, you know, I mean, I can handle it. But I don't know why it's so hard in life. Well, yeah, you do. It's because you ignore things like that. Hallelujah. Going to church, being uh, an active, regular, consistent, involved, connected to the church type of person versus someone who just gives a wave when they drive by. Hey, that's my church. <laughs> by the way, that's very real. I run into people. Yeah, I'm a part of Life Church. They haven't been for months. It's like, no, you're not. I don't mean you're not welcome. I just mean be real with your life. I just don't feel close to God. I wonder why. You don't do anything with him. Am I starting this too strong? I've only got a minute here. Just, I, I, I don't preach long on Sunday morning, so I have to get right to it. And I use those to illustrate this point. We're talking about fighting the good fight of faith. I don't want to disconnect what I believe from my experience and say, my faith, absence, weak, strong, great, whatever, is, is totally irrelevant to why I struggle in some areas in life. It's not irrelevant. It's not disconnected. It is very much tied to our experience. And we sometimes can be tempted to just rely upon the faith of others instead of developing our own. Okay. In other words, I've got a battle. I need someone else to get in the ring and do my fighting for me because, well, I haven't taken any time to develop my own faith. I haven't taken any time to, to build my own faith and to walk, walk this thing out myself. And so we put it in the category of pray for me. Y'all be praying for me. And don't get me wrong. Don't take this to an extreme like it's wrong to... Uh, uh, solicit the prayers of others. I, I believe we all should pray for one another. Don't take it in that regard. I'm talking about the person who doesn't have their own prayer life, so they rest on others. And then when they say pray for me, what they really mean is I'm not going to take the time to find a promise and to stand on God's word for myself. So I'm asking you to do it for me. And if you're a brand new baby Christian, we totally get it. You say, I don't even know my way around that Bible. I'm just, I don't even know how to do this. You ought to be asking for others to pray with you, pray for you. Yeah, but, but five years down the road, you ought to be looking to pray for someone else. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. There's this, uh, there's this concept that I want to uh, address for a moment. It's, we're talking about this faith fight. The concept of God fighting our battles, all right? Many people will just randomly say that God is fighting our battles for us. He's fighting my battles for me. And whenever I hear something commonly stated, I like to ask, is that even correct? Is that even scriptural? Should it be the standard practice for believers today to sit back and say, well, God is fighting my battles for me. Or am I supposed to be in the fight, so to speak? Where that comes from is the time when Israel was leaving 
uh, Egyptian slavery and heading to the promised land and they ran into the Red Sea. You remember the great story of the parting of the Red Sea? Right before that, uh, this is what, what, what it says, Exodus 14, 13 and 14. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. So there it is. There's a scripture. Uh, and the, the word was the Lord will fight for you. The question is, is that universal? Is that across the board? Is that how it always works? Because I would then ask, well, why are we given armor? Ephesians 6 says, put on the full armor of God. Why are we told James 4, 7 to resist the devil and he'll flee from you? If we are just to sit back and God does all of our fighting for us, that doesn't seem to be the pattern of how we are to respond to life's challenges. It's like I heard one per that one person said, if the devil knocks on your door, let Jesus answer. You rest while God works. Now, if you don't analyze a statement like that, so many places would go, woohoo, yeah, yeah. We just sit back. Jesus, you answer the door. But what if he doesn't? What if that's not the standard protocol that when Satan comes, he doesn't come to your door, but you know, you know. Uh, but when he comes against you, that standard protocol is not you do nothing and say, Jesus, get him. Maybe we are supposed to go to the door and say, Satan, get off my porch in Jesus' name. See, if the latter is the, is the standard practice, if we're thinking the former, I just have to rest and do nothing, then Satan's probably going to invite himself in. Everybody with me? Even the battles of the Old Testament that we reference this challenge with the, the Red Sea and, and the Egyptian army, the battles of the Old Testament were not all won the same way. There were times, I mean, at least one time, they were told uh, to blow trumpets and shout, and then they won. The walls came down, right? Other times, they were instructed to actually have physical combat with their enemies, and the Lord helped them in their physical combat, right? There, and you can read others. There were different ways that they overcame and won in these natural battles and it wasn't all just sit back and let the Lord do it, okay? When it comes to our lives now, and, and, and we're not talking about fighting physical wars, but more of a spiritual battle, it's not the case that we should just sit back and say, Lord, you fight my battle for me. But rather, we are led by the Spirit of God. Just like he led them, sometimes go fight with them. Sometimes, nope, sit back, I'm, I'm taking care of it. We should be led by the Spirit as to how we deal with all the opposition we face in life. This is kind of why this really works best if you have a relationship with God. I mean a real one. Not, I got saved some time ago and we hardly talk. 
but it's alive, it's active, so you can learn to be led by the Spirit and know how to address the challenges that come against you in life. So the key then is to do what the Lord is leading you in each and every situation. All right. Now, let's talk about the will of God. Is that, is that an important subject? God's will, his plan, his desire. If we are fighting a faith fight, we should know that faith does not exist outside of knowledge. I cannot believe for something I don't know. Faith is not, I don't know what to do, so I'm just going to step out in faith. That's putting a word on an action that bears no connection. If you're ever going to believe something, you have to believe something. It's not a believing of nothing. It's not a believing of random. I just don't know, so I just trust. No, faith always is tied to knowledge. Uh, and in this case, knowledge of God's promises and, 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 and so forth. All right. We're not just going to, you know, when a person says, just believe. You're going through a hard time. Just believe. Well, that's insufficient. It's too flimsy. Believe what? Is it possible for us to believe wrong? Of course. That's why there's a devil come to deceive, to try to tweak our beliefs and so they're out of alignment with God's plan. So we want to believe, but we want to believe correctly. We want to believe right, something that's solid, something that will stand the, the, the test. Now, when we're talking about the average person, we, we, could call it, we could call this the general will of God for all people, that is revealed to us in this book, okay? This will give you the answer for everybody. At the same time, there are specific situations that require a specific leading from the Lord. If I'm gonna live my life based on knowledge, fight this fight based on knowledge, I need to know what's for everybody because I'm one of the everybody's. But I, then I need to know what's for me because God's plan for my life is certainly a very real thing that I need to be aware of, okay? Now, when it comes to a specific leading, what he has for my life, understand these principles. One, it will never contradict the general leading, the general will for everybody. I'm not gonna find a whosoever will promise in the scripture and then come away from that where the Lord would say, but not you, but not this time. He's not gonna, for example, give me a word about healing that's for everybody and then say, but in your situation, suffering is my will. No, he would be contradicting himself. He's not gonna wanna provide the need for everybody but tell me, but you're supposed to be in poverty. Okay, the specific will of God cannot contradict the general will of God. I could say it another way. I said there's two. The other way, I wouldn't ever want to connect the specific will of God for my life with the curse that Jesus redeemed me from. So if Jesus suffered and died for it, if he bore it upon his own life, God's will was, would never be for me then to bear that same curse on my own. That's two people paying for the same problem. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Everybody okay? Okay. If we know then 
what God's will is and what it's not, if we know what the will of God is not and it might be happening in our life, now we know what to fight against. If I'm not clear about this, I don't know when to get in the ring and when to stay out of it. If I'm not clear about this, I don't know if I'm fighting against God or fighting against, you know, the devil or, or some kind of demonic attack. And I've got to be clear in my mind, what's of God, what's not? Hallelujah. When it comes to, let me give you some examples of like specific leadings. Uh, let's say a single person wants to get married. Okay. Uh, say, is that the will of God? If you want to, then yes, it is the will of God. And we could show you scriptures, but for the time being, uh, if a single person wants to get married, we could say, yeah, that's the will of God as a general rule. But does that mean that some dude can look across the church auditorium today and say, Lord, I'm taking her. I'm asking you not for a wife. I'm asking you for that girl. She's my everything. Well, has the Lord said anything to you about her? And say, say, well, I think he has. Here's the test. Has he said anything to her about you? Because those have to be in agreement. Here's what I'm saying. When, when someone uses their faith the, of the, the arena of knowledge, you can't just override other people's will, force your, your desires upon other people. Uh, if someone wants a job, they, they need a job, they want a job. They're driving down the road and they see a big, you know, not really nice building and they say, that looks like a great company. I'm asking you, Father, to make me CEO of that company. Well, hold on now. Did he say anything to you about that? I mean, do you, have it, do you know anything about, about it? Or are you just randomly choosing? See, you don't have knowledge there. Your knowledge may be that he'll provide your need and he'll give you a, a job. Yeah, that, you're, you're on solid ground there. The specifics have to be led. When it comes to spiritual things like ministry and gifts, someone can't just choose their gifting. I'm going to use my faith. Pastor, I see what you do, and I think I could do that. <laughs> Again, maybe you can. Uh, but you say, I'm just going to believe God. I'm going to trust God. Use my faith to make me a pastor. Well, no. You don't want to do that. You can't do that. You know, when you read about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, it's not really a, you know, multiple choice here. Pick, pick one. I'm going for prophet because they can see stuff. I, no, those, that's a calling. You can exercise your faith within the calling, but you can't choose the gifting and say, I'm just going to be, be a this. I'm going to use my faith to grab hold of this. No, that's outside of your realm of, of control there. Hallelujah. Everybody get what I'm saying here? I'm talking about the will of God, I'm talking about the will of, uh, of people. And, and when it comes to um, believing or having faith for something, I want you to know that believing is a very specific action in Scripture. When someone fights the good fight of faith, they are not doing nothing. They are very actively doing something. Even though physically they might be sitting down looking like they're doing nothing. 
there is a real uh, spiritual activity to this fight. Jesus even defined faith or what you believe as working. I've got to do something. Listen to this verse, John 6, 29. Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. I want to do God's work. Here's where you start. You believe the work. You believe in him whom he sent. Really, any action, any physical action that we take should be born out of this inward work. So if someone says, I want to do something. I need to put my hand to something. I agree. But is putting your hand to something just grabbed as a whim, a thought, or is it copying what someone else did? Or does it come out of an inward conviction? My heart is full of faith in God for this activity, and that drives your, your action. That's when it's a faith act, and it's not just a random idea. It's not just presumption. It's not just putting something on God, telling everybody else you're in faith, but doing something that has no connection to knowledge. Let your actions be born out of that faith in God, faith in what he has said, what he has done. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Say, everybody say it out loud. Say, that was really good. Hallelujah. Say, I'm going to have to think about that more until I get naturally excited. <laughs> Uh, would, would you turn with me to 1 John chapter 5? 1 John, way at the end of the Bible, before you get to Revelation. 1 John chapter 5. In, in discussing this issue of what God wants, it's entirely possible to get in the ditch too far with that. Okay? And I want to explain what I mean by that. But there are individuals there, all they talk about is God's will, and they're constantly questioning, does God want me to have this? Does God want me to have this? And what it does is it undermines their ability to fight the faith fight. Because if there's a whole lot of ifs in your life, if, if your conversation is full of ifs and buts and maybe, I can tell you, you're losing the faith fight. All right? In 1 John chapter 5, I want you to notice with me in verse 14, a very popular passage. Uh, it reads this way. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have the petitions that we have asked of him. So this is very powerful. Think about it. If God hears you, you have it. Isn't that what he said? If you can get God to hear you, the answer is obviously, automatically, yes. If you can get God to hear you, you have whatever you ask. Might want to meditate on that. Okay. But here's where I want to challenge, I don't know, some common thinking, traditional thinking about this verse. And that is that according to his will refers to, here's what I'm Presenting, so hold, don't amen me yet, so you don't look dumb. <laughs> I'm, here's what I'm challenging: that according to His will refers to the subject of what thing you are asking, as opposed to according to His will referring to the asking itself. What it's typically. Uh, 
uh, how this is typically interpreted is uh, someone said, I, I, I want a new car. And they say, well, you have to ask according to the will of God. So they think, ah, I don't really know if God wants me to have a car. Uh, I don't have any Bible verses on it. Anybody else found some modern day technology that, don't, that doesn't have scriptures? And you can go, ah, I don't know. Did he promise me that? And so people lose their faith in that question. What if he's not talking about whether he wants you to have the car, the house, the, the, some other thing, some other natural thing? What, what if, if, if asked according to his will is referring to the asking? In other words, it is God's will for me to ask. If I ask because it's his will or according to his will, then he hears me. And if he hears me, I get it. See, you're saying this, what we want doesn't really matter. I'm saying what you want does matter to him. There is this, there is this notion that goes around where people, preachers do this. They, they, they treat this open-ended, blank check type of, of invitation to ask God for things, and they'll, they'll characterize it like you are treating like God as a genie in the bottle, just there to fulfill your wishes. And I think, don't say that. Are you building people's faith or getting them to question their faith? Are you creating a fruitful prayer life or someone that's going to pray and say, I don't really want to ask for anything because I don't have a clue and I don't want to treat you like a genie in the bottle, so I'm going to ask for nothing. You just do whatever you want. I'm going to go sit in the corner. If you're not convinced yet, uh, turn with me, left turn, short turn, to the book of James. James chapter 1. The particular verses here are speaking about uh, asking for wisdom, but the principles apply to everything. James chapter 1 and verse 6. It reads, but let him ask in, in faith with no doubting. What are we to do? This is the confidence we have in him if we ask anything according to his will. How should we ask according to his will? According to James, says, let him ask in faith. What is the Lord saying? If I ask for something not in faith, then I won't get it? Exactly. Well, no. Exactly. Okay. Let him ask in faith with no doubting. What's the will, will of God for our asking? That when we ask, we don't doubt. Say, well, how can I do that? I mean, we all have doubts. Listen, I realize everyone has doubts in some area, but we must ask not in an area where we doubt, but in an area where we believe. I'm not saying ask for everything under the sun. You don't believe everything under the sun. You make that personal judgment call. What do I know? What do I truly believe? Because there I can ask in faith with no doubting, so are you saying if I have a little bit of doubt that God won't give it to me? I'll prophesy it to you. Yay, yay. My little children, you will get nothing. <laughs> so, 
Well, let's just read the verse because I didn't make that up. Ask with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. So that's, I believe, I don't believe, I'm wondering, I don't know, I think so, yeah, I think I'm good. It's just wavering, it's being tossed around. He said, let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. And if that seems harsh, that's the scripture, you guys. This is really how the principles of faith work. This is the good fight of faith, knowing that when I use my faith, it has to be based in something really, really solid. Okay? So the will of God for our asking is that we ask in faith with no doubting. Look over at another one. All right? John. So keep going left. The book of John, the gospel of John, chapter 15. John chapter 15, and uh, Jesus speaking here, verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. I want you to know that there is a constant theme in teaching what we would call the prayer of faith. Uh, in teaching from Jesus, in teaching from other apostles, even you can find this in the Psalms, there is a constant um, mention of what we want from God. Not you shouldn't want anything. You shouldn't presume to, to ask for anything because you don't really know what's good for you. I know if I'm hungry, I need food. I know if I'm stranded on the side of the road, I need a ride. I'm not, I'm not willing to say I know everything, but I do know what I need. And I do know what I want. And it's interesting to me how much the scriptures, even the Lord Jesus himself, mentioned our desires when it comes to prayer. He said right here, right there in your, in, in your Bible, whatever, you will ask whatever you desire and I'll give it to you. Let's not water that down. Yeah. Come on. Say, so, well, how do I know if I'm asking right? Ask in faith, nothing doubting. Yeah. Amen. That's, That's the will of God for how we approach Him. Amen. Hallelujah. I can, uh, in Mark chapter 11 and verse 24, one of the most famous faith and prayer verses. Mark eleven twenty four. 24, King James Bible reads this way. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye, what's that word? Desire. desire. When you pray, believe that you receive them and ye shall have them. What do you mean what I desire? I only want your will, Father. That's a good heart, but his will is that you get what you want. God's will is that we get what we will. I know this stirs up questions. What if we ask for bad things? First of all, let me, let me answer that by giving you an example. In the Old Testament, God had set up the kingdom of Israel without kings as rulers. There were judges, there were prophets, no kings. The, 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 the Israelites, after a while, they got to looking at all the nations around them and said, we want a king too. It wasn't God's will. 
In fact, what happened is they came to Samuel. I'll read the verses to you. 1 Samuel 8, 5. They said to him, look, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like the nations. Verse 7 reads, and the Lord said to Samuel, heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me that I should not reign over them. God's will was that they not have kings. And they said, we want one anyway. So God told Samuel, you can read the rest. He told Samuel, he said, warn them. Tell them how these kings are going to treat them and how they're going to treat their kids. Give them the negatives because this is not my plan. This is not my perfect will for them. He said, but here's the deal. You warn them and then go ahead and give it to them. Yeah. Verse 19, nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, no, but we will have a king over us that we may be like all the nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. So they were determined. And it's interesting. The Lord said, all right, you can have them. And God even got involved in it. He said, here's your first one, Saul. And he even put his spirit on the guy. God did for them what he didn't want for them. He gave them what was short of his perfect will. And they got the good, the bad, and the ugly, didn't they? And over the years, the nation had some good kings and had a whole bunch of wicked kings that made life horrible for everybody. And God gave it to them. Here, here's what I'm saying about us, about our faith fight, okay? He has given us the ability to believe, to use our faith, even to make requests of him. It is up to us to determine what we are going to ask for. It is our responsibility to have with a good heart, righteous motives, and to seek out good things for our lives and make good requests. We are not, I'm not talking about just going into the ring. I'm going into a fight. We just start flailing. People do that with their faith and their prayer life. I believe for this and I believe this. And Father, I ask you for this. It's like, slow down, doggy. <laughs> you need to slow down and find verses, find promises, get established. Is this what you really want? It, in other words, this is a relationship with God. Our, our prayer life is not supposed to be disconnected from our communion with him. I tell you, when you find someone truly walking with God, you find their prayer requests are like legit. And what's God's answer? He'll give you anything you want. See, that sounds too strong. I know. It's exactly what Jesus said. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Everybody okay? I've used up all my time, but I'm going to take a couple extra minutes. I'll take it off of one of the, my future messages <laughs> sometime in the future. Let me read this to you, James chapter 4. You say, what about that James 4 verse? That's what I said when I was studying. Verse 2, you lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not, what? Ask. You do not ask, or you ask and you re do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own pleasures. I'm telling you, what we ask for is up to us. And it's our responsibility to ask correctly. 
I'm not saying that you can't ask for anything that would be a, a blessing or something you just like to have. No, but it, it seems to me from this scripture, and you read the whole passage here in chapter four, he's telling people how to get stuff, not telling them how to not have stuff. He's teaching them how to get it. He said, one, you're just fighting with people. You're not asking. Ask me. And then apparently when someone asks to spend it on pleasures, it hinders their receiving ability. It doesn't even mention God's giving here. Why? Because we have the right to ask for things. But when someone is in a lustful state, in a fleshly disposition, their, that, that condition of their heart hinders their ability to receive. It's like the old example, I could, I could want to give some, this Bible to someone, but my giving of it does not guarantee their receiving of it. When we keep our heart right with God, we're walking with Him, our receiver functions. Okay? And, and, and this, is, this is what we, we've got to know where we stand. What if someone asks for something sinful? Your heart will condemn you and you won't have confidence before God. I'm saying that in that arena, your faith doesn't work. It's not God denying it. It's like it doesn't even function in that arena. All right. Should we be done? <laughs> we, we have to know. I'm, I'm come, we'll come back and teach more. But uh, we have to know when things happen in life, is this something that I'm supposed to fight? Fight against? Is this, is this something I'm supposed to pursue? Go after and lay hold of. If something happens to you, knowing whether it's of God or not, informs us when we're supposed to punch it in the nose. And too many times, people not knowing how the fight of faith works, things come at them and they're just standing there. Taking a beating. Boom, boom. Come on, put up your dukes. Put up your faith dukes. That's not from God. You need to hit it. You need to pop. It is written. Pop. The name of Jesus. Pop, pop, pop. If you're a boxer, don't judge my form. I'm a faith fire. Come on. <laughs> but we need to know when do I need to do that? Because if I'm called to do that, I must or I'll get pummeled. Amen. And I can lay hold of the good things of God and receive his blessings in my life and know how to discern what's the difference. Amen. All right. Come back. We'll, we'll get you more next time and, uh, and, and teach further along this. We're training to fight the good fight of faith. Praise God. Father, thank you for working in here now. By your spirit, you're among us. Ha <laughs> ha. By your spirit, you're working mightily among us, doing great things among us. Thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit, our teacher and our guide. Thank you, Lord, for healing bodies today. We thank you. We lay hold of, the, of eternal life. Amen. We lay hold of all your precious promises. We thank you for them. We reach out in faith, trusting you. We refuse to waver in doubt, but confidently we look to you as our source of every good thing, of life and peace Enjoy and all of our needs met, our bodies healed, our marriages restored. We look to you 
We put our trust in you today. You're such a good, good God. We love you. We serve you with everything we are and all that we do. We give all the thanks and all the praise to you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.